0: Here's Pastor Scott. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God tells us to rejoice. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us enough to give us specific instruction on how to please you. God, I pray right now that you would forgive us of our sins cleanse us by the blood of Jesus Christ, sanctify our minds, and give us ears to hear what you say to us. Lord, I ask you to anoint me to say what you'd have me to say, and I ask you to be our teacher by your spirit, from your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. God tells us to rejoice. Now, I want to start a little Wednesday nightish. We slow it down, and we talk a lot on Wednesday night, uh, preach less, and discuss more, but Do you think everybody that comes to church comes rejoicing? Now, if it's Wednesday night, I'd let you give five or ten answers why people aren't rejoicing. But here's the reality. They got their reasons. Life's tough. People are going through stuff. And it has crushed rejoicing out of the mind and and the emotion of the average believer. The average church-going person in America today is so caught up in everything going on that drags their emotions down, that they have forgot um, that Jesus is the one that died for them. Yeah. That They have forgot what a mighty God we serve. Uh, I, I don't know how many of y'all grew up uh, in churches, but I love it when they put Bible verses to song. Now, there is a clap in here, and I'm not a singer, and I don't pretend to be a singer. I just sing loud because it's bad, and I want to torture you. Now, I want you to know you don't have to sing good to sing loud for the Lord. But there's a clap in here. Let's see if anybody can fit the clap in where it's supposed, supposed to go. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Our, only Diane. Yeah, yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Give yourself a hand. You, y'all, caught up. y'all had no clue where that was going. And, and some of y'all couldn't clap if, if they put a gun to your head. <laughs> Look at the people around you. See where they're clapping. And, and join in. But I'm telling you, man, I don't see a lot of rejoicing. I travel all across the country, talk to a lot of people, go to a lot of places, have relationships with a lot of ministries around the world, and there is just not a lot of rejoicing. There's a lot of woe is me. Uh, we live in the easiest time to live in the history of the world. We have more creature comforts than anybody ever had. Do you know how much harder your life would be if you actually had to wash the clothes? I wash my clothes every week. No, you don't. Grandmama washed them clothes. She, 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 and she dried them by hanging them up and chasing them quick before the rain got them. Some are like, oh, I have a dry life. Well, you're just a new age hippie. Or you just like the way your clothes smell hang, hanging fresh. I don't know. But I can tell you this, we got it easier than we've ever had it, and we have less satisfied people in this country than ever. We got people taking pills uh, to, to keep them awake, power slamming monster energy, taking Adderall to, to keep them hyped up, uh, t- taking whatever they take at night to go to bed. I'm like, man, we are, we, are, we are in trouble as a nation. We live, let me see if I can get anybody to agree to this. Amen simply means, amen's got a couple of meanings. Number one, it means I like what you said. I agree what it says. Uh, in a in, in bigger perspective for some of y'all, it, it means, uh, the more you say it, the faster I'll get done. <laughs> and nobody said amen, so buckle in. We're going to be here. I got two bottles of water. I ain't got nowhere to be. I already told you, I love being in church. Um, they, they're changing the rules on baseball next year to put a shot clock on the pitchers. Uh, my sons have heard my speech. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a baseball guy. We travel and see a lot of baseball in our family. We travel to see basketball, football, too. Uh, but I love baseball uh, more more than any other sport. And they're trying to rush baseball. My kids know when we drive all the way to Atlanta to see the Braves play at home, I'm not hoping that the game ends in nine innings. Worst case scenario is Atlanta's ahead in the bottom of the ninth. Because uh, some baseball fan, tell me what happens to the home team if they're ahead in the bottom of the ninth. They don't get the bat. We miss them. We miss the... Uh, My kids, the number one thing I'm hoping for, extra innings. Let me drive all the way to Atlanta and see some two-and-a-half-hour game. I'm there for the long haul. I'm getting there early and staying late. They have to come and and rush us off. uh, Ushers come by and like, y'all have to leave. I'm like, not until we get 72 more of these uh, uh, souvenir cups. (laughs) We Man, I don't understand these people. that buy a $12 cup with Coke in it. And leave it when they get up to leave an event. Thank God for you, though, because me and mine, we walk out with stacks of them up to the roof. <laughs> you don't believe Hey, we got WrestleMania cups. We got Monday Night Raw cups. Uh, we, we, we got Phoenix Suns cups. We got Laker cups. Celtics cups we, we got some of everything. We got football cups, basketball, baseball cups, but... I, I'm not into rushing on God. I know some of you are, so let me try to get into this. Before I get into this message, and I have wrestled with this, I thought about not saying it, but I thought, I got a handful of friends that have done nothing for the last three months but use their pulpit as, as a political stump just to talk politics for the whole three months. Having politi- you have never seen a politician come into this church to, to tell us why you should vote for them. Because I'm not into that kind of manipulation. You've never heard me tell you who I vote for. You, 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 you got to figure, because I'm a born-again Christian, I vote the way most born-again Christians vote. But then all you've ever heard me do is is, is tell you uh, all the things I didn't like about 45. Uh, you, some people call him Orange. Other people call him President Donald Trump. Um, and, and, and when everybody, I, I knew people, when, when President Obama got elected, people were angry, junior yeah. senator, doesn't have the experience, ne- never, been, never been a, a, a federal legislator. Uh, I, I'm like, get over yourself. You know, and I told him, you know why Barack Obama won the presidential office of the United States twice? Because God wanted him to. You want to know why Donald Trump spent four years as the president of America? You want to know why Donald Trump lost uh, two years ago? Because God wanted him to. People don't like that. But the truth's the truth anyhow. I got one paragraph. I'm going to throw this at you. Because I feel like most people don't really have the facts and the information. I told the staff this morning before we prayed uh, this morning to come out here as we do in my office every week. I told them I just believe that people are brainwashed by whoever they listen to. That people that watch Fox News, uh, the Fox News is telling lies to paint the story the way they want to paint the story. And if you, if you ate up with Fox News, get over yourself. They have an agenda. One person said amen. Thank you, Elaine. If you're watching CNN, they're painting their lies a certain way because they have an agenda. They can tell the same story uh, about the same event, and, and one, one side make it look great and the other side make it look horrible. So I ain't going to tell you who I voted for uh, because most people don't even, don't even know uh, who I would vote for. Um, I believe that's, that's personal. Vote for who you want to vote for. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, not by who we vote for. Yeah, your vote don't determine uh, your salvation. Uh, but but people have been asking me, who you gonna vote for on Tuesday? Uh, well, hey, uh don't 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 like to get into political uh, arguments with church folk. Uh, and I'm not gonna vote for anybody on Tuesday because I already voted. <laughs> you don't catch me standing in no long line on Tuesday, getting harassed by people, folk coming up to me trying to tell me who I should vote. No. I walk I walk right into the library, walk with it, boom right in my booth, boom, right in the machine, boom, here go. You, I voted, thank you. But people ask, who you vote for, who you vote for, I ain't going to tell you who I voted for, but I, but I did decide to do this, and I've never done this. So here, here's the reality, and get this, no matter how much we agree with each other or how much we disagree with each other, God has commanded us to love each other. We got to quit separating <laughs> over stuff that, that, that don't, don't involve salvation. But because people ask, um... I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. I'm not going to tell you who you should vote for. But I'll tell you this. We live in a divided nation. We live in a country where about half of the people in this country love America and are patriotic. And they think America, even with all its sins, ills, under, under living up to its promises, is still a better place to live than Iran, Pakistan, and New Guinea. Then we got other people that think it's a, if you say anything good about America, you're a racist and a bigot, and you hate everybody. So let me just get this out of the way real quick. I'm gonna read it, so I don't I don't elaborate on it. I'm not gonna tell you who I voted for. But here's here, I, I will tell you this: I voted for the the candidates who love America and believe America is a worthwhile nation that should continue to <laughs> live on into the future. Uh, I voted. Uh, For the candidates who stand against abortion, because I don't I I, I certainly believe a woman has a right to choose to do whatever she wants to with her body. But when God allows another body to be growing inside your body, you don't have a right to kill that. God said, I knew you in your mother's womb. And here's and I told this to the staff. uh, If if I ever if if it's not. But what's that thing called? If reincarnation was a thing, I'm coming back as a black civil rights leader. Because it would give me the vent, because I could say anything then and nobody could question me. But here, here's, and if I was a black civil rights leader, I would be driving the anti-abortion train all over America. Because here's the reality for black people. Fifty years ago, black people were three times as men, I ain't hate no Hispanics, but hear me three times as many black people in this country 50 years ago as there were Hispanics. Now there's more Hispanics in this country than there are black people. And and here's one of the leading reasons why. The black population has not grown by a full percentage point in 50 years when every other, Muslims, Hispanics, Asians, Pacific Island, all of them have just grown in our country because we allow legally, People to immigrate into our country, over a million a year are allowed into our country through legal means, uh, and black people have not grown as a race. And one of the biggest reasons is because of Planned Parenthood and abortion. And the lady that started pa- Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, was uh, uh, into eugenics. She wanted. She said, "We're going to put one of these abortion clinics in every ghetto in America, and we're going to stamp out these black." She invented abortion clinics to kill off the black race. Read about it. She was bold about it. She made no, am I right or wrong, Keon? That's that's absolutely the fact. And and here's the sad reality. Every year in America, for the last 20-plus years, there have been more black babies aborted than black children born in this country. We could be a predominantly black country right now if, if people would just realize the life inside the body is sacred. So I voted for people who who stand, and I've never even told you my stand on abortion before, but common sense is common sense. I voted for people who are pro-military. We have to have a strong military. The only way to make peace is through strength. If you don't believe that, get rid of all your weapons. Get rid of, even if it's the rolling pin that you hide on the counter so you can bat, the baseball bat. Get rid of all that no security alarm and, and just let anybody who wants to come ravage your stuff. You can't you only can keep peace through strength. Evil people will try to attack weaker people. We see that going on between Russia and the Ukraine now. So I voted for candidates who are pro-military. I voted for candidates who are against teachers teaching about sex changes in the first grade. I don't know where they find a person, but there's half the country uh, is for this where elementary school kids can not only be taught about sex and sex changes at six years old, they can be given by their school puberty blockers without the consent from the parent because the government has decided that the school board knows how to raise our children better than we know how to raise our children, and I didn't vote for anybody who believes that. I, vote, I voted for those candidates that are strong on legal keeping, on law and order. I voted for people who believe that, yeah, when, when Bubba, uh, Chen Lang, Jose, Guavo, or Billy Ray, or Trayvon and Shaniqua, anybody that breaks the law should not be like fishing catch and release. Put these people back out on the street the same day, and they commit the same crime over and over again. I didn't vote for any candidate who wants to defund the police. Are are, are the police, uh, do the police have lots of racists in their ranks? Absolutely. Uh, do, do, Do some of the people inside the police department mistreat people of color? Absolutely. But do you really think any grandmother raising her children's children living in a two-bedroom apartment with five people in a ghetto that they hear gunshots going off every night? you really think that grandmama wants less police on her street? She does not. These are are stupid ideas uh, that that, that Americans should not be hoodwinked by. I voted for the candidates who want to make our borders secure and stop millions of dollars worth of fentanyl flooding over our borders every month with illegal aliens killing off a generation of young people let these people bring in drugs we're letting people walk across tell them now even if, if we did just let them walk across and tell them to come on in that'd be one thing I've talked to people we we ate at a restaurant with a guy who walked across and he finally got himself legal but he told us when he came across, not only did they give him a house to live in, they, he was from Bolivia. They furnished it with Bolivian furniture, stocked it with Bolivian food so that he would be comfortable in his new country, and gave him a cell phone so he could communicate with his family. Now, I don't know about you, but the government never gave me no country boy furniture. The government never gave me his phone, and they certainly never put no soul food in my refrigerator. I don't even know where they get people to believe in this foolishness. Mm-mm. I believe in immigration. But I believe, uh, like, like our amazing President Barack Obama said, we are a nation of immigrants, but we're also a nation of laws. And there's a way to do this without jumping the line. And I, I voted for the candidates who were tired of seeing people jump the line. Last thing I'm going to say to them, we're going to jump right in to the word. I voted for the candidates who believe that marriage is a union between a, hear me, man and a woman. You shouldn't be able to marry your dog. You shouldn't be able to marry somebody that you can't procreate with. You shouldn't be able to marry somebody you can't have sex with uh, or you can't have a child with. If, we, if you put all those people together in one spot, guess what you end up with? They all die off. And, and, and let me tell you something. If, if this ruffles your feathers, uh, hey, you can get glad in the same chair you got mad in. Because I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to get off it. The truth's the truth. Sure enough. The, hey, I'll tell you what the old preacher said. When it started, God put two people in the garden, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Oh, I'm for Christian values. I did not vote for one person, and and there's a large percentage of people who want to take In God We Trust off our money, who want to take In God We Trust off our state flags. The state seal of Florida has In God We Trust underneath it. You can get an In God We Trust license tag at the DMV for no extra money in the state of Florida. And I didn't vote for anybody who wants to silence God. Now, let me end by saying this. Elections are ugly. Politics is a money-making scam, and every one of those people have one goal. The day they get elected, they start immediately working on their re-election campaign because they just want to drain all that money they can drain. They're like professional wrestlers. They're all richer than us. They pretend to be against each other, but they all eat at the same restaurants and send their kids to the same schools. And that's places we can't afford to go to and to be around. So if your guy – I say all that to say this. If your guy or gal wins – Be glad. If your guy or girl loses, be glad still. And realize God is in control. And if everybody you care about loses and everybody you can't stand wins, know this. Nothing happens without God's permission. And they can't destroy what God (laughs) wants to bless. So don't walk in fear of these politicians. They got no power on the body of Christ. Now let's get into God tells us. I'm sweating because that's a hard It's hard for me to talk about political things because I don't like seeing people get up and walk out. Uh, I don't like people getting upset. Oh well, that means he. Listen, just because I believe uh, in one thing, just just because I don't like collard greens, doesn't mean I didn't eat the asparagus spears they put on my plate at at the hundred-dollar plate restaurant last week. You can't figure me out because you know one thing about me, and we need to give room for diversity of thought because. We, like I said, we're the children of God by faith, and, and the devil wants to use anything he can to divide us. I Listen, we have always had deacons that were uh, Republicans and deacons that were Democrats. We've always had leadership that spoke in tongues and leadership that didn't speak in tongues. We've always had broad diversity at Abundant Life because we started this church with, with an agreement that we would love each other in spite of each other and allow each other room to grow. So if you live by that, uh, you'll be happier in your life. Now, when it comes to rejoicing, everybody in this room has got something they're going through. We could start right over here with Joyce and work all the way back around to Terry. And every single person in this room has had something bad happen to them. Everybody in this room is in one of three places. I've been telling you this for years. I haven't said it in a long time. But everybody in this room is in one of three places. You are either just coming out of a storm Right in the middle of a storm, or are you getting ready to go into your next storm. That's the only three conditions in the human experience. The Bible says, consider it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Not might try you. There, there's stuff coming. Say it's coming. So how do you rejoice in the middle of that? I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've, I, hey, you want to compare sad stories? I got them by the truckload. You, you want to sing sad songs? I got, I got them by the book. Load. But I remember in a class in seminary that I took years ago, um, it was a psychology class, a minor in psychology, and the professor told everybody, take out a sheet of paper, rip it in half, write down the worst thing that ever happened to you. The crippling thing, the thing that hurt you, the thing that's still scarring you to this day. Imagine the type of stuff that was on there. Rape, molestation. Loss of family members, paralyzation, all, all, children born with, 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 with incurable diseases. And then we all put them in uh, a bucket, a basket. And the professor said, now, here's what I want you to think. Some people weren't smart enough to pass this. Let's see how we are. He said, you believe that God works all things uh, according to the counsel of his own good will. You believe that all things work together for good to them, to love God, and those was called according to his purpose. You believe that God is in control. He said, now, whatever you wrote on your paper, you have lived through. You have overcome to some degree because you sit here today in the midst of all these other people basically in your right mind and clothed. It did not destroy you. You dealt with it you may still be dealing with it but it didn't kill you then he said so let's see how many smart people in the room if you had the choice everybody in the room's got to leave with one of these pieces of paper being true about them you can take your paper back and have what you've been through or you can reach in here blindly and take what somebody else went through and you can deal with what they went through he said but remember this you live through what you've been through what they went through might have sure enough killed you off already. And I was smart enough to say, uh, and knowing that I might have been through worse stuff than most people in the room, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm still going to keep my stuff because I, I ain't no telling what some of these people have been through. And we don't know. People are going through stuff. People have hardship. People have difficulty to deal with. People have stress and anxiety. People got health issues. There's all kinds of stuff. But in the midst of it, God said, rejoice. Put that verse on the screen for me, verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. God said, rejoice in the Lord how often? What if you're going through, what's he telling you to do? Is it it a a suggestion or a command? He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And then, because God knows we learn good by repetition, and and, and if anybody in authority says something twice, some of y'all been to university. You understand. If the professor says, you will see this information again, let me, t- let, let me say again, page 14 is a good page to study. You need to write that down and understand. That, that, there's a reason why people say things twice. God said rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. God said it twice because he knows we're not rejoicing. What, 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 what about when you're sad? Here's a question. There, there's no debate to it. Can you rejoice through hardships? Yes, you can. But I want to show you how. Because uh, I'm not talking about if you're crazy and you act like it don't exist. Act like you ain't going through. Act, 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 act like you, you, you didn't get the diagnosis you got. I, I'm not talking about just being a, a, a psycho. I told you about my, my one pastor friend from up the street. I picked him up for lunch. He sneezed all over my dash. Bit, snot coming down his nose. I said, oh, bro, what what, what you got? Seasonal allergies? What's that, a cold? Luke's here, devil. I reject that in Jesus' name. None of these diseases shall come nigh unto me. I'm the head and not the tail, always above and never beneath. I am am fully whole in Jesus' name. They get emphatic about it when, you know, they, they don't really know what they're talking about. And I said, all right, well, healed man, let me ask you this. Next time you're about to sneeze and blow snot and boogers all over my dash, cover your mouth. I ain't talking about these kind of crazy people. You see them sneeze and ask them if they I ain't sick. Yeah, something's wrong, even if it's just allergies. But I ain't talking about acting like what you're going through you're not going through. I'm talking about reading the scripture with understanding. Say understanding. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. I want you to understand how can we rejoice because, look, it doesn't say rejoice always, does it? It's not what it says. If it said rejoice always, I'd, I'd be looking at God saying, you know, I didn't have nothing to rejoice for when they told me three days before Christmas 16 years ago uh, or, or 18 years ago Uh, because she lived for two years. When they told me that she was going to die, the man called me out into the hallway. The first day, we checked checked Gail in. We had no idea anything was wrong with her. He comes in. They didn't run some tests. He says, Mr. Becker, I want to see you in the hallway. And we looked at each other like, well, that sounds ominous. It sounds like a movie theater scene. I walked out. I said, what's up? He said, your wife has stage four metastatic colon cancer. It originated in her colon. It's already metastasized to her liver, her lungs, her brain, and her hip. she's going to die. It's going to be sooner rather than later. The reason why she's weak and her eyes are yellow is because her liver is shutting down and she probably won't make it through the night. I mean, I'm, I'm coming there for, you know, not that result. I'm like, you ain't got a pill? You ain't got a prescription? Break that white pad out, lab coat dude. Mm-mm. When bad things have happened to me in my life, if God had said, rejoice because you had a horrible thing happen to you, you've got to be crazy out of your head to be able to do that. If you, if you really rejoice that way, then, then you're not emotionally balanced. But it doesn't say rejoice always. Hear me. It says rejoice in the Lord. My, my, my wife dying 16 years ago didn't rattle heaven. God was still good. I mean, is he good? We, we say that as a cliche, but we got to start believing. it. No matter what happened in your life, God allowed it to happen for a purpose. Your test is for your testimony. And what God puts you through is so hopefully one day you'll be able to help somebody else go through their issue. Your greatest ministry will be birthed in your, in your worst pain. But you can rejoice in God because he never changes. There, there is a psychological, and it's, a, it's also an academic expression, uh, the law of first truth. The way you heard something the first time. Well, Daddy taught it this way. Mama, big mama, made banana pudding this way. My pastor in the church I was growing up said it this way. Well, the first time I heard great hooping, which because I can't sing, uh, I can't hoop because you have to be able to hold notes for the right way, but I remember exactly the first great hoop I ever heard, and I don't know how much agreement we could get out of it in most churches, and the whole message went in this vein, ain't the Lord all right, ain't the Lord all right, I saw the Lord, he heard my cry sent his son Jesus to live in, ain't God good. And just on and on and on. And, ain't the, and people were on their feet screaming, throwing money on the altar. Because, you know, people who have been through things and God has shown himself strong and faithful, ain't, ain't stingy to give God a, 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 a little bit of money in, in a thanks offering. But if we don't learn how to rejoice in the Lord, say in the Lord. Then we're out of gas. It's going to be ugly on Tuesday. I told y'all it was going to be ugly on Halloween. I told y'all the Center of Disease Control has said for decades that the, the more children get in car accidents, slip and falls, and die on Halloween night than any other night of the year. My kids have never been on the sidewalk on Halloween night. Um, and the the biggest a party of 120 people. Why are you partying in the parking lot? How you got 120 people? Just, just somebody came and dropped two mag- dumped two magazine clips into 120 people, ended up sending about 40 of them to the hospital, and a handful of them died. Nobody's saying, say their name. Nobody's saying, no justice, no peace. No, nobody's saying ju- justice for whoever. Uh, it just is what it is. And we, 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 we live in some times where, where life is crazy. There's no telling what's gonna happen on Tuesday. People are gonna come out their frame. When their dude or or, or when their girl loses, they're gonna come out of their frame. I'm not gonna care. If everybody I voted for lost, I'm still gonna be hearing in my mind. Ain't the Lord alright? Ain't the Lord all right? Ain't the Lord all right? <laughs> yes, he is. Because he's a good God. He's a good, good God, yeah. He's a good, good, good God, yeah. If you think about who God is and what He's done, you'll be able to say what we said. What I said, my wife died at 8:14 on a Sunday morning. I was in the pulpit on Sunday night dancing and singing and preaching and telling everybody, God's still been better to us than we've been to Him. God's still giving us better than we deserve. He did enough on Calvary if he never did another thing. If you got to deal with gout, if you got to deal with some diagnosis, if you got to deal with poverty, if you got to deal with racism on your job, if you got to deal with people driving you crazy, if you're going through hell by the acre got more problems and Carter's got liver pills, you ought to all still be able to sit back and say, but I love the Lord and he's been good to me. Oh, man, you better channel your inner Eddie Murphy. I already told y'all, what, what sport do I love? In Eddie, in Eddie Murphy's first breakout TV show, SNL, Saturday Night Live. Anybody remember what Eddie Murphy said? <laughs> Who said that? Yes, sir. Baseball been very, very good to me. You need to, you need to challenge. You, you just need to tell yourself, listen. One of the most painful events, and most of us have lived through this. I, I, hope, I hope Seth never has to live through it. Uh, his heavy-footed, uh, law-breaking brother already had to live through it. Uh, Seth has never ha- had had this experience. But y'all know, when the blue lights come on behind, oh! If you ever had those blue lights, it just everything flushes out of you. Like, are you kidding me? Are we doing this right now? The whole, whole world out here? Pulling me over, I'm trying to go somewhere. I see them every week on 17, in Fleming Island. There's got to be an atheist bunch of cops out there because they are arresting people trying to get to choir practice on time. <laughs> now, can't you imagine that cop? You gave him, his, you gave him your best, you're 10 and 2. You yes-sirred him. You, you're right, I'm wrong. Yes, sir, I was speeding. I apologize. You already handed him your, 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 your driver's license. Everything's good. Tags on right. Everybody, everything's on right. And he still writes you the ticket. I don't know if you're worried about where the clap is at that point. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say Rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> on ticket getting day. God is still good. On ticket getting day, on burying mama day, God is still, God's still done enough good things to make you, you ought to shout on him for every day for the rest of your life. The only way to get this done, the only way to obey the Father, and listen, I've told y'all for years, I know what a father wants. I know what every father wants, so I know what God wants. Trust me, ladies, I promise you this. No matter how assertive your man is, he don't have to be an overbearing, domineering alpha male. Uh, but all men feel this way at some point in their, in, in their life. What does a father want in his own, in his home? Obedience without drama. Ain't that right, guys? Obedience without drama. God don't want no disobedience in his children, and he sure don't want no drama. So he said rejoice. Guess what his children ought to be doing? Rejoice. I don't feel like rejoicing. I'm going through right now. My neck hurts. Hey, Rejoice that you got a neck. Look how, what'd you look like with your head sitting on your collarbone? <laughs> we got to get our minds right, church. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. He said, and again, if you did, listen, this is the original. And this is funny because this, this, is, this is a uh It's not real modern, but, you know, it's in our lifetime uh, in the last 10 years that that this became hilarious. Uh, God is the originator of, I'm going to say it again uh, for those in the back that didn't hear me. (laughs) Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Rejoice in the Lord always. Say always. always. It's not optional, and it's not every now and then. Going through your worst season in your life. You ought to be rejoicing the Lord always. And again, I say rejoicing. You ought to be right there. Why? Because God's our only hope. And God sent his son to die for us. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. I don't like Southern gospel music. If you know me at all, you know that. There are some good words to Southern gospel music. I'll go ahead and say it because some of y'all are waiting on it. And it's legit. I'd rather be beating the face with a dead rat than have to listen to Southern gospel music. it's just not my thing there are some good songs and uh, the words are really good the music's you know crazy um, every southern gospel song basically sounds the same to me it's all twangy and it's all banjo it sounds like banjos and fiddles to me even if they don't have a banjo and a fiddle um and every, every time they break, but I, you know, I clap along. And if I'm in their church and I'm, you know, fellowshipping with them, preaching for them, just hanging out with them, I, I mess around try to sing them the best I can. But they all sound the same to me. Jesus came to, Jesus sat on the mountain. Yes, he did. Jesus drank from the fountain. Yeehaw. Jesus sat on the mountain. Jesus drank from the fountain. Yeehaw. <laughs> that, just, that just ain't my number one. That's not on my playlist. Okay. Not on my playlist, but there one, there's a lot of country, uh, Southern Gospel songs that have great words, and one of them said this, he came down to my level when I couldn't get up to his. With a strong arm, he lifted me up and showed me what living is. And if you're saved at all, you know that God came down to your level when you couldn't get up to his. See, religion is man's attempt to reach up and grab hold of God. You can't be that good. None of us can. The Bible says we're all sinners. Christianity is God reaching down to mankind and pulling them up. And I choose Christianity over religion any day. But Christianity tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Now, to be able to do that, you need to know some good things about God. And here's the sad reality. If I told you go home and write down every good thing you know about God, most people have a really short list. Yeah, Yes or no? They would. Shouldn't. But it is what it is. Most of us don't know enough about God or his word to know why we should rejoice. So I'm going to take you from this command into the most hopeful passage of scripture to me. John chapter 14, 15, uh, 16, 17. To me, uh, I, that's a lot of red words right there, y'all. Uh, that's Jesus talking uh, the whole time. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to read in your hearing the first six verses out of John chapter 14, and we're going to talk about four promises we need to rejoice in. In John 14, one, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. So I read that fast because it's very familiar. Um, But you see all those commas on there, on that one screen? i told you consistently, when you study the Bible or any literature that you want to absorb, you have to slow your reading down. The best way to ensure that you slow your reading down is by paying attention to the punctuation. That comma is cause for pause. That exclamation point is urgency-driven. That question mark should make you stop and think what the question is. you got to take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. So right out of these six verses, I'm going to talk to you about four promises that are right from this passage that I'm going to lift out. That uh, will give us reasons to rejoice. And I don't want you to say, men, if you don't believe it. Listen, I'll make it easy on you. Maybe not even for you, but for the average wounded, hurting, going through church member, could the body of Christ use more rejoicing uh, in, 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 in their week? Oh, man, we ought to have a pep in our step. We ought to have a little pride in our stride. We ought to have a little bend in our back. We ought to have a little bit of, I'm on the winning team. Man, if Jesus is the captain of your team, he can't lose. So let's look at these four things. Number one, right out of verse number two, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. I hope you believe God, and if there's a God, he's got to be somewhere. Now, the Bible teaches us that overarching God is everywhere at all times. But God resides in a specific place called heaven. And the Bible says, Jesus tells us in this passage, God has a house. Say house. It's a place where he lived. And I, I, I love what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 11:16. He said, we desire a better country that is a heavenly country because God has prepared a city for us. I want you to know that God has a house with many mansions. Jesus was letting them know, this life ain't all that there is. We used to sing in the old church, I got a home in glory land, it outshines what? That's hard to do, but that's real. You may never get your dream home in this life. You, you, you may never accomplish all the goals you want to in this life. Listen, but if you get to heaven, I'll stop, tell you what, I don't even know what song it is, Uh, I I just remember laying on the floor crying, uh, listening to it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it after all. And I want you to understand, God's got a house, and he's invited us to live there. He said, in my father's house, how many houses is that? House. One. In my father's house. It didn't say in my father's houses. The Bible is a specific book. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, that word mansion in the Greek is most, uh, most properly translated dwelling place or place to live. Now, here's what I've been, ta- I've been hearing people talk about forever. Whoo, he's going to have a big mansion in heaven. Oh, Sister Jones, she going to have a big mansion in heaven just to hold all her rewards. Oh, uh, I hope my mansion is close to your mansion because I know I'm going to live on Hallelujah Boulevard. I think you're going to live on Just Got In Street. But hobble on down and see a brother every now and then. There's no right theology in that. There ain't no. uh, I've heard people say, I don't care if my mansion is a shack at the end of the the golden street. As long as I get in. There's nobody going to be living down the street, round the way, on a different street. The Bible says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. Think about it. It is not talking about multiple houses all lined up and down a road. And I'm gonna tell you, I like that because I don't want a mansion down the street from where God is. Amen. See, you you might be wanting to get to heaven real bad to see grandma and them. You might be wanting to get to heaven real bad to see the person you love that's there. Hey, I thank God for everybody I love that's in heaven. But there is only one person in my heart is longing to see when I get to heaven. You find me at the feet of Jesus Christ because I'll be hanging out. If he gave me a mansion up the street, i say, can I just hang out here? I want to eat at your table. I want to sleep under your roof. I want to breathe the air that you're breathing. And this is the way that God has it set up. Listen, you'd be better off living in a closet in God's house than than having a 70,000-square-foot mansion. Down the road. Because if you love God, you wouldn't be staying in that mansion. You'd be be up there with all us staring at how great God looks. I don't know how many of y'all remember the TV show Dallas. If you do, that means you're old. (laughs) Hey, it is what it is. Nobody in the young people in this room remember Dallas. But everybody lived in one house. J.R. lived there. His brother Bobby that hoe he was married to, she lived there too. Do y'all know what that chick did before Dallas? Now, this was a long time ago. She, she wrote a tell-all book on herself. She was a $5,000 a night escort. I don't think I mislabeled her. I labeled her right. <laughs> the little blonde-haired young, young sister, J.R.'s young sister, whatever her name was, she was all crazy in her head. They all lived in Mom and Daddy's house, but they all had big space. And it had plenty of room. That's Hebraic family living. That's how God has always seen it. God has said, let's just get a big place. We'll all live together. And I thank God that I'm not going to have some mansion down the street, but that God has a place for me to go. Now, a, lot, a lot of people uh, don't, don't, don't know where God's going to put them. First promise, God's got lots of room. God's got lots of room. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If you want to go to heaven, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Bible says if you search for him with your whole heart, you will find him. And guess what? Then you can get on with the rest of us and, and say, I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. I've got a place reserved for me. That's the second point is I, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, what an awesome God we serve that He prepares a place for us. If you ever read the scripture carefully, you're gonna realize God's the one doing all the heavy lifting in this relationship. He paid all the price, he bore all the hardship, and He He, he did all of the work, but He He said, I go to prepare a place you, now I've heard people, there's a song out there, uh, some of these songs are foolishness, theologically it, it said in, in, in one verse of the song it said he created heaven and earth in just six days but he's been working on heaven for 2,000 years and they think because Jesus said I'm going to prepare a place for you that he, he ain't working on heaven it don't take Jesus 2,000 years to do anything but I'm going to tell you what He's got a place for you if you're saved. Oh, I'm so glad he's got a place. I am so glad. Man, one, one of the songs, uh, one of the choruses I love to, to, to drive in my mind because these things have, have helped draw my heart closer to God, and you got to do what helps you draw closer to God. I, I love that song, Oh, When the Saints Go Marching In. Oh, when the saints go marching in. And I love the grind in the next in the next phrase oh I want to be in that number the biggest desire of my heart is to be in that number when, the same, when God calls us up to heaven I don't want to miss out Oh, I know for sure God's got a place for me, not because I'm a pastor. I know for sure God's got a place for me, not because I'm a good person. I know for sure God's got a place for me, not because I'm special. God's got a place for me because he came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, suffered and died on a cross, raised himself from the dead on the third day so that he could be the firstborn of many resurrected bodies, and I'm going to be one. I don't know where you're at, but I'm super excited, God has got a place for me. Third thing we ought to rejoice in out of this passage. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Think about what Jesus is telling these followers of his in John 14. He's letting them know, I'm about to die. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and thereby be crucified. But on the third day, I'll raise this temple up. And they're they're like, we left everything. Our family has kicked us out. Uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John owned a joint fishing industry together. They left their boats, their nets, and their families. These people gave up stuff to follow Jesus. And he's like saying, deuces, I'm out. I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Y'all know, you know, y'all, this is it for me. And they were bewildered. And so he was comforting them by by letting them know, hey, God's got uh, enough room for all of you. There's a place prepared for you. And then he said this, and this, this, if this don't light your fire, your wood's wet. He said, I'm coming back. Amen. He said, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to receive you unto myself. That where I am, hey, listen, do you want uh, that, that one song? I can't even remember what, what said. Wherever, wherever the Lord is, there's what? It's where, amen, thank you. Wherever the Lord is is where i want to be well what's wrong with that now i'm trying to get over like rover to casanova i'm trying to get my stacks built up i'm trying to do me i'm I'm trying to make my own name big (laughs) you missed everything about jesus he said i'm gonna come and i'm gonna get you oh this is this is such great news the bible calls this the blessed hope of the believer he's coming again He's, he's coming back for us. People say, Pastor, do you really believe that the rapture could happen in your lifetime? I'm shocked that it hadn't already happened. I told staff today, I hope, I hope the rapture happens at 1115 so I don't have to say all that voting stuff. <laughs> and and, and one, one, of the, one of the deacons said, well, let's hope that it happens at 1215 so people could get their minds right. And I'm like, nah, I'll be gone. I won't care if their mind's right or wrong. I want to be where the Lord is. And this is a promise that ought to make you rejoice always. This could be the day. You ought to live every day. The Bible says that there is a crown that you can win. It's called the crown of rejoicing. Paul said, henceforth, there is later for me a crown of rejoicing, but not for me only, but for all those who look for and long for the appearing of the Lord. You ought to be waking up every morning thinking, Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. You ought to be waking up thinking, one glad morning when this life is over. Oh, you! Most people don't have any thought that God could. Honestly, if 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 I really could get the truth out, ever do you believe God could come back today? Now nah, we got to see how this war in Ukraine shake out, Pastor. Stop pretending like I'm so. I want to stop and tell all these churches, but I ain't got the time to do it. I want to tell them all stop putting pray for Ukraine up on your church sign. When did we fall in love with Ukraine? Ukraine, by any definition, is one of the five most corrupt countries on the entire planet. Fact check me if you think I'm wrong. I don't say these things off the cuff. Uh, but we, we got Americans pray, we got churches, and most of them just a bunch of rich people. Uh, poor people busy praying for Ray Ray Pookie and them. Working class folk praying to have enough money to keep their car one more month. Working class people praying this car will start one more again because I gotta get to work. Pray for Ukraine. Man, you better, man you better pray for you, better pray for what you got close to you first. If you want you got time to pray for them, pray for them too. But I know one day God's coming back, and this is all going to be over. First Thessalonians 4:16 said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen to what he said in verse 18. Wherefore, because of what was just said, comfort one another with these words. With, with, with what words? He's going to come back. He is going to come back. Um, God is going to tell Jesus, go get him. And the Bible says he's going to gather them from the north, south, east, and the west. And every true Christian is going to get up and get out of here one day. And I told, I told the staff. I, to, I told them, and, I, and I'll tell you, and it works for you just as good as it works for them. Now, wait. Don't get it out of order. But if the rapture happens and I'm gone, anybody on the staff that wants to be the senior pastor has my blessing. (laughs) Anybody in the church, after I'm gone in the rapture, if you want to pastor this church, work with this microphone, you can have my desk. I got cash in my desk. You can have the cash in my desk. I got keys to my house. You can have the keys to my house. Because when that happens, I ain't going to miss that desk. Or that house. I'm going to be singing glory, glory, hallelujah. We're going home one day. Jesus is coming back to this earth. He made us that promise. That ought to be enough for you to rejoice in. The Bible says he's touched by the feeling of your pain. He knows your heart, your emotion. He loves us so much. He paid the price. All these things should make you say, what a good God he is. No matter what my current situation is. He is a good, good God, and I am going to rejoice that he loves me, rejoice that he accepts me, rejoice that he never gave up on me, rejoice that he didn't quit me when he could have, <laughs> rejoice that he saved me when he didn't have. I mean, there, there's stuff to rejoice on. Mm, I don't know how am I supposed to rejoice if this governor rejoicing rejoice in God. Find you some truth about God and just let that be your daily. Don't bother me. I'm I'm, I'm too busy shouting. People trying to bring gossip your way? I ain't got time to hear that. I'm I'm just over here uh, so so excited. I got a room in God's house. I got a room in God's house. So when when life starts to overwhelm me, I remember this promise that he's coming back. Uh, my family's first pastor, where we all got saved, Connie was there, she got saved, uh, was at the Hillcrest Baptist Church on the corner of Plymouth and LaBelle, right off of Cassett Avenue on the west side of Jacksonville, uh, July fifteenth, 1981, and um, that summer of 1981 was my first introduction to that church and the pastor, and, and they, they everybody called him Brother Moore. And he would, he, would look over, he, he would close, and he, he would look over at our worship leader, Archie Jackson, and he would say, sing that song for me, Archie. And he loved to hear that song, The King is Coming. And I want to tell you something. If you don't hear anything, hear this. The King is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back one day. It could be today. It could be a 1,000 years from now. But he is coming back. Last, last promise. Uh, we get out of here. Number four, no man, Jesus said, comes to the Father but by me. And that's the promise everybody needs to understand because there's lots of religions in the world, but there's only one way to heaven. And, I mean, Oprah's done a lot of good things for people. Oprah given away lots of stuff. Oprah, Oprah tried, tried to be the best person she could be, I'm sure. But when that, you, you can YouTube Google this. You can search this on YouTube. When, that, when a lady stood up on her show and said, well, I don't ascribe to New Age mysticism. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Oprah looked at her like she had five heads on her neck. She said, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. She said, there couldn't possibly be only one way to heaven. Because what you call God, somebody else might call Jesus, and somebody else might call a rock or a mountain or a tree. I'm like, ah. <laughs> none of that true. Everybody's not going to heaven because there's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus made that clear. He said, I'm the way, the the truth, and the there's no other way. Well, what about good people? Well, did those good people come through Jesus? They're not going to heaven. Well, what about is that? Mm, there's one way to get to heaven. And is well, what about my friend? And listen, here's the sad reality. Almost every cult that you can mention, almost every other church in the world, uh lives better than people who claim to be Christians. You know Muslims are way more dedicated to their diet than Christians are? Well, a lot of them sneak and cheat, but, I mean, I'm talking about as, as a hierarchy. You know, you know Jehovah Witnesses get out and do more uh, door-to-door witnessing than Christians do? Man, these folk ain't even going to heaven. Because they don't believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. But Jesus said of himself... He, he said, I'm the only way. He went so far as to say this, I'm the door to heaven. If anyone tries to come in through any other way, they're a thief and a liar and will perish forever. And in a world that's looking for uh, EDI, EDI is the new move. We, we got companies hiring EDI departments all over the world because, you know, there's, there's one transgender person for every 400 million people in America. That's paraphrasing you got to have an equity, diversity, and inclusion department in, er- in every large company right now because everybody's got to get a chance. Uh, I, I, when, when you get grown, you're going to realize everybody don't get participation trophies in life. If you're not good at what you do, you get passed by. And Jesus ain't going to let everybody in. Jesus and Christianity, I believe, will soon be taken out of every school, Every bookstore, every commercial retail outlet, because I believe that the Bible is the least inclusive, most offensive, mo- most uh, exclusionary book. And Christianity is the most exclusionary religion on the planet. Jesus said of himself, nobody gets into heaven without me. Does that sound like diversity? It is not. Does that sound like inclusion? No. Does that sound like equity? Mm-mm. Everybody at the finish line ain't, ain't getting into heaven, and you got to realize Christianity is a small group of people. But I, I am so glad that God allowed me, and showed me, and gave me faith to believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, who ro- raised Himself from the dead and lives today. Acts 4:12 says this: Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. Under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. When Ronald Reagan became the president of the United States in what, 1980, I think you know probably took office January 81, but he ta- he he popularized two words: born again. He was the first president in the history of our country to talk about being born again. And uh, America was way more Catholic at that time. Forty years ago, America was way more Catholic, uh, way way less Muslim, way way less. Uh, you know non-English speaking people and he popularized being born again and so people I had people walking up to me all the time I tell them about Jesus and they'd say you're not one of them born agains are you you're not one of them born again Christians are you and I gave them the answer then that's still the only answer today there's only one kind of Christian sir born again Jesus said we must be saved if we're going to follow jesus we we must be born again listen all roads don't lead to heaven jesus said in matthew chapter 7 in verse 13 he said enter in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be that go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow the way which lead to life and few there be that find it lots of people on the big road on their way to hell not a whole lot of people on the narrow road on their way to heaven i hope that you've got your salvation sure i hope that you can say what my what my old pastor used to say i'm 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 prayed up my ticket is paid up and i'm ready to go up today because if you're not you need to call on the name of the lord i hope you found the way that jesus is talking about In, in in verse six he said i am the way that was the first name given to the early followers of Christ. They called their movement the way movement. Because Jesus was always saying, I'm the way. I'm like, well, we're following the way. And he's the only way. And I hope that you understand and believe that. Because if you try to come any different way, you can't get in. There's no salvation without Jesus. There's no other way to heaven without Jesus. But we got four promises that we ought to that, that we ought to remind ourselves of, write it down, think about it. You don't have to pick these four, but get you a handful that in your dark hour you can remember. He loves me. He accepts me. He says I'm in his family. He says he'll take care of me. You need to get you some promises that you can hold to. These are some of my favorite. First one, in my father's house, many mansions. Do you believe that God is alive right now? Do you believe in, in, this, in this whole story of this, this divine being who created everything out of nothing, uh, took upon the form of a servant, servant came and lived in this life? Do you, you believe all this stuff? Oh, if you do, i got good news for you. Lots of mansions, lots of dwelling places in God's house. There's room. Do you believe that when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, not for them, for you. Are you in that number? Are you in that number? God's got a certain amount of rooms. Then after that, it's no vacancy. There's a certain amount of rooms in heaven. And, and, and if you don't have one reserved already, stamped in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're in trouble. Third one said, I'll come again and receive you to myself. Oh, man, if that don't ring your bell, your ringer's broke. All the crying, all the tears, all the hardship that the body of Christ has been through will be worth it when we step into heaven. No more dying. No more suffering. No more crying. No more pain. Former things will be all passed away, and God's going to make everything new. And I want you to be in that number. Come on, Victor. The last one we looked at said, no man comes to the Father without Jesus. How did you get to God? If, if I put the microphone on you right now and I asked you, uh, if you stood before God right now and he said, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I, I, and I ask people that everywhere I go. Well, because I'm a good person, because I never killed anybody, because I try to treat human. None of that will get you into heaven. If, if Jesus don't fly out of their mouth right off the bat, they're yet in their sins and unsaved. And you need to pray for them to find Jesus before they take their last breath. So when did you get saved? Where were you? How did it happen? You might not remember the exact time on the clock. You might not remember the exact day. Maybe you didn't write it down. Uh, but you, if, if you got saved, hear me good. You remember it because it happened to you. This this, this thing's so huge, it's not something that you're going to forget about. See, some people come to church and just turn over a new leaf and think that's going to do them. God's not interested in us turning over a new leaf. God's interested in, in, in us uprooting our entire forest, throwing all our leaves away, and taking on what he has for us. It's not about making some changes. It's about changing your eternal destiny. I don't know if you can do what God commanded us to do. I don't know what you're going through right now. You might not be able to rejoice in what you're going through because it might be about to kill you. But you can rejoice in the Lord if you know enough about him. You can rejoice in the Lord if you choose to say, in spite of it all, I still love him and he still loves me. Because the Bible says there's nothing that can separate you from God. If If you get it right with God, you're good to go. And I hope that you've made it right with God. If you're here and you're not saved, let me say this. You need to embrace that promise that God said if you call on him, he'll save you. Maybe you tried it before and it didn't work. I've seen some people make six, seven trips down this aisle. I baptized baptized one person five times in this church. Hopefully it finally stuck because this is what I tell everybody. If you ever get saved for real, you won't have to do it again. The Bible says what God does is eternal. And, and, and he, want, he, he wants to forgive you and change you. And if you haven't done that, the Bible says that if you cry out to him with your whole heart, you can find him. You can go by Jesus. You can let Jesus be your way if you're willing to ask him. And you're willing to do all that he tells you to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for these promises and the thousands of others that are in your book. You are a good God. And you have been better to us than we deserve. Lord, you commanded us to rejoice always in you. Help us, God, on hard days to think about heaven. Help us, God, on hard days to think about your love and your mercy is everlasting and you never give up on us. God, help us to think about eternal things and not just temporary things. We love you, God. I pray for every person that's unsaved, Lord. I pray you pour your spirit out on them and save them. God, for those who are saved, I pray that you turn our frown upside down and put a pep in our step and just let us know, truly, one glad morning when this life is over, we will fly away. Yeah, we believe in you. We believe that you have a place for us. We believe that you've prepared a room for us, God. We believe that you're going to come back for us, and we know and are sure that you are the only way. Thank you for allowing us to come your way, God. Thank you for giving us faith to believe in you. I pray for every person who's unsaved right now, God. I pray that you give them the faith to believe in you and to save them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry